This is My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 109. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I had a serious paradigm shift today. Let me remind you what a paradigm is for those who of you who aren't really familiar with Stephen Covey or the term. A paradigm is how you view the world in a particular situation. Let's say that you see somebody and, you know, they're not dressed good and, you know, they're real slouchy and they got really bad, ter- terrible manners at the table and you just judging them just left and right. And all of a sudden you find out that they just left the hospital and their spouse just died. That's a paradigm shift. That's where you thought one thing, and then when you knew the truth, you thought something completely different. Well, that happened to me today. Uh, Last night, I got a phone call from my uh, preacher at our church, and he said, Lenny, I've got this guy that I'd like for you to talk to. Uh, He needs a job. He has been unemployed for some time. Uh, Before that, though, before his unemployment, he was employed pretty steadily for about 15 years. and But he lost that job, and then he's been to several other different types of work that none of them worked, none of them fit, and now he's homeless. Um, He's sleeping out on the curb at the church, and so we're trying to figure out what we can do for him. Would, Would you have anything that this guy could do? And I said, well... Send him over to me and and let's talk. So, you know, I'm thinking my my paradigm as far as homeless is, is, okay, it's like a lot of people. It is influenced by my distance from the situation. As you get closer to the situation, you know, you you see the reality. But from my, you know, my perch that I'm sitting on, it's get a job, you know. Uh, And if you... I don't understand why you're living on the street. Fine, go live with your relatives. You know, go find somebody that you can live with. There's a, surely there's all kinds of social programs out there to take care of the homeless people, and there are. There's some, and a lot of them don't want to be taken care of. This guy was just down on his luck, and he needed a job, needs a car. I mean, he's walking. He doesn't have a car. His cell phone isn't charged because his cord's messed up. He doesn't have a place to live. How's he going to get a job? You know, and it just really put it right there on my doorstep. And so I started making some phone calls to see if there are places that will take him in. And um, I called a, a motel that I know about to see if they had any rooms. And so, but what do you do? I mean, if anybody has any suggestions, I'm open to it. Call me, 423-552-2020. There are plenty of homeless people out there, and I don't know what the the long-term solution of that is, but I'm just thinking about one man who I encountered in my life and what is God calling me to do here? And that's that's what I'm trying to figure out. So uh, it is a paradigm shift, though, when you think about it. You think about the opportunities that are out there for the, the person who has a car, who has a place to live. Okay, so their basic needs are taken care of. Now they've got to go out and find a job before their bank accounts gets to zero or they're overdrawn. It's a little bit different situation from somebody who's looks pretty normal, but he's wondering where he's going to sleep tonight.
more than likely it'll be outside. Right now, that's not a problem because it's not cold and it's not raining today, but that could be a problem. You know, it's just something most of us don't have to think about. So anyway, I just wanted to share that encounter, and if I can get some perspective on maybe some opportunities for this guy, then maybe I can get it from you. I'll be back in just one minute. Okay, I am back. You know, sometimes it helps us all to get a little perspective on our problems compared to other people's problems. Sometimes it kind of makes us realize that maybe our problems aren't so bad. But I am going to talk today a little bit about cars and about a very common problem that we have. Yesterday, we went back to basics and talked about car knowledge, uh, focusing on the engine, the transmission, and how they've gotten a whole lot more efficient, how four-cylinder engines now have as much as 310 horsepower like in the Mustang. Compared to my Vega that I drove in 1973, had a whopping 72 horsepower out of the same size engine. So we've come a long way. Uh, they figured out how to put emission controls on cars to make them run cleaner and pollute the environment a whole lot less. Uh, but they have uh, gotten a lot more expensive as well. So I want to go over some of the other technologies that are happening, one of which is I'm severely concerned about. Do you know that the day is coming, and it's pretty soon when the features on your car are only going to be available through a screen on your dashboard? Here are some examples. Heated and cooled seats, navigation, Apple and Android connectivity, automatic climate control, custom interior lighting, hands-free driving, collision avoidance technology, Bluetooth connectivity, even power running boards on your truck. No big deal, right? Well, that's what I have been thinking until I realized the reason that switches and buttons on the dashboard are being replaced by big digital screens is so that the manufacturers can force car buyers to subscribe to these and other car features in order for them to be active on the car. While all the necessary hardware is already installed at the factory, get that now, all of the features are already on the car, they just don't work because you haven't paid a subscription fee. So what they do is they use over-the-air software delivery to your car. So when you get close to a uh, any, any Wi-Fi signal or you use 4G LTE in your car, they're able to tap in anytime they want to and take information from your car or download special features that you subscribe to. So these features are already on your car, but you pay a fee. And then all, all of a sudden, an icon for heated seats appears on your screen. And now you can heat your buns. Let's say that you bought a car and it has that big screen, and, but when you want to turn on your air conditioning or uh, turn on your heat, there's a little button on the screen. You touch it, turns it on. You adjust the temperature. You know, it has a, you can go to the left for red, which makes it hotter, or to the right for blue, which makes it colder. But you say, no, I don't really like that. I think I'd rather have an automatic feature where I just set the temperature. Fine, just subscribe to it. Next thing you know, it'll be downloaded to your screen, and you'll have the option to set the temperature. Oh, but you got to pay for it. Now, we're not there yet, but the manufacturers are really talking this up. They're telling Wall Street that this will mean billions and billions of dollars to the car companies. But Lenny, they're going to have to install all that stuff on the car. That's right but they'll be able to, to do it in scale. In other words, they'll be able to put all the same features on every car, 
eliminating a lot of the different variabilities that they have in the manufacturing process. They'll build every car the same, but people will subscribe to these features that they want. It'll be extra revenue for the company overall. Yeah, the cars will cost a little bit more, and who's paying for that? You are. But uh, they will be able to charge you more down the road every month. So you're making your $500 car payment, and you're paying an extra $28 a month for your heated seats, uh, your extra climate control buttons, and Apple CarPlay. Does that sound like something you would want to do? Well, it's coming. I mean, we do it now, right? I mean, we have our cell phones, and some of the apps that we download on our phones are free, and some of them we have to pay for. And just like my Ancestry.com app, I like to you know dig into my ancestry and find out what, what my DNA says about where my ancestors came from. That's kind of fun for me, building the family tree and all of that. Is that free? Well, it's free for the first 90 days. It's an app on my phone, and if I want to be on that, then I've got to pay $29 a month. Um, that's worth it to me for a while. But now, is my automatic temperature control going to be worth it to me for a while, is, or is that going to be something I want forever? Will I end up paying more for it over time? Yes, you will. And if you trade your car, all of that goes away, and then the next person that buys the car, they're going to have to subscribe to have those features. Do you see why that could be a very profitable thing for the car companies, but not so good for the consumer? Well, that's where we're headed, folks. So I guess if you want to avoid that, buy a car now because they can't do it yet because the features are already on the car. But probably starting in, I'm going to say 2024 models. Wait a minute. That's right around the corner. 2025 and beyond, you're going to see a lot of this. Uh, as the screens get bigger and the buttons go away, look out because it's coming. Today, another thing I wanted to talk about were your brakes. Now, this is something that is a very common repair and maintenance item, basically, on just about every car. And sometimes I'd just like to get back to basics and explain how some of this works and what you're buying. Do you have uh, disc brakes on your car or drum brakes? Do you know what the difference is? A lot of people don't. You know, they go in and, and the uh, service, I guess the service advisor or the service rep for the independent shop says, hey, you need new brakes. What, what does he mean? What does he mean when he says you need new brakes? The entire braking system? No, just part of it. What if he says you need new pads and you need to have your rotors turned? What's he talking about? Well, the pads are the part of the braking system that wear out the most often. A good set, a set of pads will typically last anywhere from 30 to 50,000 miles, depending on how hard you are with the brakes. Are you a left-footed brake person? Then you're going to wear out your brakes a lot sooner. If you use your right foot, to put the gas on, and to stop the car, like you're supposed to, like you learned in driver's ed, then uh, you're probably not resting that left foot on the brake pedal too often, and you will not wear your brakes out as quickly. But those left footers, um, we love them because we have to replace their brake pads a lot. But the pads are, like I say, a maintenance item. They're not very expensive. If you just replace the pads and don't have to do anything to the rotors, then you're looking at anywhere from $100 to $150 for a set of pads and the labor. But if you have to turn the rotors, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Why would you need to do that? Well, it's because you let your pads get too thin. And when they wear down, they get to the rivets that actually hold the pad material. 
to the backing plate on the pad. So imagine rivets impacting the rotor, which is made out of metal, so you got metal on metal, and it's spinning. What's it going to do to the rotor? It's going to eat grooves in that rotor, and it's going to really make it, uh, well, the car's not going to stop very well, and it's also going to destroy that rotor over time. Are rotors expensive? Yes. That's the shiny metal part. When you look inside your wheel, you'll see that, that disc. It looks like a disc. Well, that's the rotor itself. And if it has grooves in it or if it has an uneven surface, then you have to have them either pulled off of the car and turned on a brake lathe or sometimes they have these uh, on-the-car brake lathes where they don't have to take the rotor off. It really doesn't matter. What they're doing is resurfacing, grinding off some of that metal to make it a nice smooth surface. Um, you don't want to have to replace your rotors, but if, they're, if they've been turned once already and if, or if the grooves are too deep, then they have to replace the rotors. I would want to look at that if, if I'm having my car serviced. I just want to make sure that my rotors are really bad because sometimes some shops will replace parts on your brakes that really don't need to be replaced. But if, if you have worn rotors and they've been turned once, you can't turn them again. It's just not recommended. You can, but they just won't last very long. They'll get warped, and then all of a sudden, whenever you put your foot on the brake pedal, you'll get this pulsation back and forth in the, in the brake pedal. It'll just vibrate the whole front end, and you don't want that either. So if disc brakes are on the front, you could have disc brakes on the rear too. I mean, that's more expensive cars uh, typically have four-wheel disc brakes. But a lot of the small, cheaper cars, if there are any, have disc brakes on the front and drum brakes on the rear. Now, drum brakes have a, rep a replaceable component, and it's called brake shoes. Isn't that a nice name? It's it's same kind of braking material that's on the pads. It just works differently, and I won't get into how it works, but that's what you will probably have to replace. Typically, your pads on the front will wear out before the shoes do on the rear, and it's because the front brakes do anywhere from 65 to 75% of the braking. You'll notice if you look at the front discs and the the calipers that hold the brake pads, they're always much larger on the front wheels than they are on the rear if it has four-wheel disc brakes. Now, with um, four-wheel disc brakes, you can kind of get underneath the car and you can see how much thickness you have left on your pads if you like to get up underneath your car. But if you're having your oil changed, then... Hopefully, well, not hopefully, you need to demand that they inspect your brakes and make sure you have enough pad life left. And they, a good mechanic can look up there and can tell. But sometimes you just ha actually have to pull it off. Now, if you hear a, a squealing noise, they need to pull off your wheels and really inspect your brakes and see what's going on. More than likely, there is a wear sensor that is mounted that is really part of the brake pad itself. It's just a little piece of metal that sticks out. And as the pad wears down, it gets closer and closer to the spinning rotor, and eventually it'll touch the rotor, and it'll make a little squealing noise. Sometimes it'll be consistent squeal, and sometimes it'll just go ee, ee, ee. So if you hear that out of your front wheels, that sound, go to your service department and get them to check your brakes. Because the next step is for the brake pad to completely wear out, get down to the rivets, and then you're scoring your rotors. And that's where the rotors will have to be replaced if you let it go on too long. 
So anyway, you go to a service center, and the guy comes out and says, yeah, you, you need to replace your shoes, your pads, and you need to have your rotors turned, and you probably return your drums as well. We'll adjust your parking brake, and it's going to be $528. You know, that's not what you were expecting, right? And it all happened at 25,000 miles, and you're thinking, wait a minute, Lenny said on his radio show that I probably wouldn't have to worry about that for 40,000 miles. Uh, and I'm not a left-footed breaker, so maybe this isn't right. Maybe you should get a second opinion, or maybe you should make them show you why your rotors need to be replaced and the condition of your pads. Um, you know, sometimes people will lie if business has been really bad and they need some labor hours and some parts sales. You hate to think that. Hopefully you wouldn't have to worry about that if you go to a place that that you've done business with a lot in the past. But sometimes you have an overzealous, um, let's say a technician, maybe a level C technician who is paid on commission and he's paid for as many brake jobs as he does or as he sells and does. So that's where you have to watch out. But hopefully this is a little bit of knowledge for you. So you might know what they're talking about when they come out and say something like that. There are other components of the braking system that are important. One of those, probably the, the well, they're all important. Any of them fails can keep you from stopping, which I love to stop. Uh, master cylinder. That's what basically, when you put your foot on the brake pedal, that is a device that pushes brake fluid to those brake calipers in the front and to the wheel cylinders in the back and causes the pads and the shoes to contact the rotors and the drums to stop your car. The master cylinder is very important. They can go bad. There's another thing on that's attached to the master cylinder called a brake booster or a power booster. That's where most cars have power brakes these days. My 65 Corvair convertible uh, did not have power brakes. My Ford Bronco does not have power brakes, so I have to push it really hard to get it to stop. But I put power brakes and disc brakes on my 65 Mustang. It did have drum brakes in the front and drum brakes in the rear. Primitive. So I had the disc brakes put on the front. But then I was going down the road on a test drive just to make sure everything was working, and my foot almost went to the floor. There were I had a little bit of braking power, but not much. Well, my brake booster, my power brake booster had failed. It was brand new. So I had to call CJ Pony Parts, where I order most of my stuff for my old Mustangs, and have them send me a new brake booster so that I would have power brakes on my Mustang like I was supposed to. Now, modern cars also have something else that's very important, that came about in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, thank you Mercedes-Benz, called anti-lock brakes. And anti-lock brakes are a part of your braking system. You will know that there's a problem with your anti-lock brakes if a light comes on your dash that says ABS. Now there's another thing that can trigger, trigger? I'm sorry, that can trigger your ABS light. Believe it or not, it's your seat belts. Yes, if you have a defective seatbelt sensor or something's wrong with your seatbelt. See, when, you, when your airbags go off, there is a little explosion that takes place, not only in the steering wheel or in the dash to shoot the airbag out at you, but also with your seatbelts. It 
actually tightens, it cinches the seatbelt whenever the airbags go off. You didn't know that, did you? Well, those can be defective as well. And I have seen that trigger more uh, ABS lights than just about any other thing. Uh, there are sensors in the wheels that can trigger an ABS light as well. Uh, but you know those sensors, ABS brakes led to, the, the fact that they are on a vehicle led to two other great safety features, and I'll tell you what those are here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. Yeah, ABS brakes, when they uh, were made available to the average car, it created the opportunity for some new technologies to come up come on board with us, and one of them was traction control, because anytime there's a, a, a difference in the spinning rate between the right wheel, right rear wheel, or right front wheel, and the left side, then the ABS sensor picks that up and can actually apply braking pressure and reduce the throttle automatically because of a computer system and uh, keep you from losing traction. That's called traction control. Another thing called dynamic stability control if you happen to do like my daughter did, going around a curve and go off the road and then overcorrect, sometimes that'll put you into a spin where if you're like her, you take out a row of fence posts and get all wrapped up in barbed wire. Not good for the paint job. But anyway, if you have stability control, the car will kind of take over when it senses that the car is going sideways and the, the wheel spinning rates are not what they're supposed to be then it will apply braking pressure and throttle control and straighten you out. Not in every circumstance, but a lot of them. And that's one thing that ABS brakes have also um, helped us with. So anyway, if your ABS light comes on, it can make a lot of other things go bad. You don't ignore it. Uh, it's not telling you that you have need to work on your abs. You know, you don't have a six-pack. I have a one-pack. But that being said, thank you for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Hope you, hopefully, you learned something about brakes. If you have any questions, call me, 423-552-2020. I'll straighten you out. And, uh, or you can send me an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. And I'll see you next time.